It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Julian Council, as always, talking Carolina Panthers with you three times a week right now in off-season mode, but we are only a couple of weeks away to having daily episodes again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, starting on July 19th. We'll be back with you guys five days a week as we will be heading in to training camp. But right now, we sit in the doldrums, the content desert of the NFL season. The NFL has done a really good job of trying to stay relevant throughout the league year, and we will be getting close. As we get to the 15th, we'll be finding out whether the Carolina Panthers will be giving Taylor Moten an extension after all, and that would be some nice news. Other than that, if anything breaks, probably won't be good news. So let's hope for no news unless it's Taylor Moten news here with the Carolina Panthers in the coming weeks. Uh, make sure to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Check us out also on Spotify, on Odyssey, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where I will need your participation pretty much every Friday throughout the offseason for our weekly Friday mailbag. As I told folks in the previous part one of the McMixon conversation, we will not be doing it this week as I'll be off on vacation celebrating the 4th of July up in northern Michigan. So not going to be on my phone, not going to be on my computer, not going to be near a microphone. So I'm sorry that you will not be getting to answer or I'm not going to be answering your questions this week. But if you do have questions, go ahead and start filling up my DMs start adding me, so I will have plenty of questions to go to next Friday when it returns for the Friday Weekly Mailbag. So again, guys, Mick Mixon retiring after this season with the Carolina Panthers. Spent a lot of time talking about his upbringing. Going to spend even more time talking about his career and all of that here again on Lockdown Panthers. So here it is. Once again, Mick Mixon, the voice of the Carolina Panthers. You had stops over down the road here from, uh, from Charlotte at Belmont. As a sport director at WCGC, you're also at WIS in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm sure getting plenty of Gamecast coverage. You even spent a year as the voice of the AA Maine Guides located in Old Orchard Beach, Maine. How do you? How does a North Carolina boy, because you said you're born in Wilmington, Delaware, just for a t- couple years, then came down to North Carolina. You've been here basically ever since. How do you go from North Carolina to Maine? Of all places. You catch a Delta flight. (laughs) Watch as the landscape changes from pine trees and sweet tea to this forsaken wasteland that was (laughs) almost in Beach, Maine. That's how you do it. Forsaken wasteland. We're the AAA affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies. So AAA, the International League back then, it was an airplane league, you know, coat and tie, you fly places. And so – I think we had a couple stations on there, maybe half a dozen stations on the main guides radio network. And I did their games, a few of their games on TV as well. So this was a big job. Well, I thought it was, and I tried to treat it as such. And and I had to have that job. I mean, I, I didn't care whether it was Maine or, or uh, anywhere. I, I, I wanted to 
baseball play-by-play is this petri dish where you can work on your craft. So unlike basketball, unlike football, unlike doing golf or soccer, tennis, any other thing, baseball requires an announcer. And I'm not saying that I am this or was this, but Mm -hmm. baseball requires of a play-by-play announcer to be kind of a, a storyteller, to be a craftsman in a way, to develop the ability to try to hold the audience, build the drama, find things to talk about that are interesting. Because you never know with baseball. You may be on the air for two hours and three minutes, and a pitcher throws a complete game three-hitter, neat and clean. Home team wins two to one. Good night, nurse. Go back to the hotel. But it could get bloody. You could be there for five hours. There could be eight different pitching changes. The catcher now is playing first base. First baseman moves to designated hitter. New pitcher comes in. Third baseman's got something in his contact. Now he's out. Now somebody goes in for him. I mean, you got a, you got, I did 140 nine inning baseball games by myself. And to, in, a, in 160 days. So you can't, you can't not get better. I mean, you're on the air so much that you have to get better. You have to improve. You have to figure out new ways to hold the audience that next night. Even if it's just you getting your heads kicked in, it's 10 to nothing, the Columbus Clippers, you know somebody's listening. You know the, the, the wife of the owner or the girlfriend of the, the left fielder. You know somebody's listening. So you got to talk just to them. And you realize how personal, how intimate, how magical radio is. It can do things that television cannot do on its best ever day. Yeah, it's that personal relationship. And I remember always being told, you know, act like like you just said there, you're talking to one individual, basically. That's what you're doing when you're on the radio, especially when you're by yourself. Like if you're just doing a talk show by yourself, if you're a radio play-by-play guy, it's that kind of intimate relationship that you have with people that makes the medium so beautiful, which is so unfortunate that so many people talk about like, oh, radio's dead. Like it's, it's not, it's still around and it's still great. I have to imagine that having spent time in Chapel Hill, your entire life and wanting to be a sportscaster and loving the ACC that even though you were in Belmont, still in state of North Carolina and doing that fantastic job up in Maine with the guides and being in WIS in Columbia, where you have a huge athletic program at the University of South Carolina there with the Gamecocks, that you probably always wanted to get back to Chapel Hill, right? I mean, that, 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 it makes sense, right? It's only, it seems like you wanted to try and come back home one day or was it not really that simple? No, nothing could be farther from being true. I did not want to go to Chapel. I did not want to be in Chapel Hill. I'd already been in Chapel Hill. I grew up there. I felt like every time I turned around in Chapel Hill, there was a, the, uh, there was a school librarian and I still owed $3 for overdue book fines. Or there was my high school English teacher who thought that I had potential, but just ne- never would wake up and pay attention in class. There was a former employer at Western Auto or Rose's or Ivy's or the other jobs I had. I couldn't wait to get out of Chapel Hill. <clears throat> and I didn't want to come back. I was wanting to, to stay in baseball. But uh, my boss in Maine lost his team in court. The Maine guides became the Scranton Wilkesbury Red Barons. And so I'm sorry. Like that, <laughs> he lost the team in court? Yeah. Jordan Kobritz entered into an agreement to sell the team or trade it for a double A team and some money. The deal fell through. There was a lawsuit, dragged on a couple of years. So the main guides were lame duck after my uh, season there. 
And so uh, I had to figure something out. So I got a letter out of the blue from Jim Hevner, who ran the Tar Heel Sports Network, asking me would I want to come back to Chapel Hill and work with Woody. So I said, okay, only because I didn't have any other options. My plan was to, and I did, I started to send out tapes as soon as I got baseball tapes, as soon as I got to Chapel Hill. But what I didn't know was that about five weeks later, my mother, age 54, and my dad, age 57, would die in a commercial airline crash. They were on a United DC-10, United Flight 232, Julian, that crashed and burned in a cornfield in Sioux City, Iowa. So just like that, my immediate family went from four to two. And so that caused me to lose a little bit of career focus when I had to deal with uh, being the executor of their estate, not a big estate, but you know, working people that had tried to save. And there was a house to sell. There was cars to get ready to sell. There was all kind of stuff. And so years, a few years went by. And then I realized that I enjoyed, I was enjoying being a color analyst and I was enjoying working with Woody and being in Chapel Hill, uh, taught, start teaching some classes, started a band and would have been happy living that out. Uh, but the opportunity to come to the Carolina Panthers happened in 05 and, and I'm so thankful that it did. Quick pause and we'll be back right here again with Mick Mixon, the voice of the Carolina Panthers. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I want to go back to Woody Durham for a second before we get to the Carolina Panthers. I mean, 05, it's, it, that's an interesting time to leave because I'm imagining you left right after uh, my favorite day of all time, April 4th, 2005, when uh, the Heels won 75 to 70 in St. Louis, Missouri against the uh, Illinois Fighting Illini team. Still one of the best teams uh, has never won a national championship. And I, I still feel kind of guilty to this day that Illinois did not win that championship as good as they were that year with Bruce Pearl. Darren Williams, D. Um, D. Brown, Luther Head, what a fantastic team they had. So, Woody Durham, you're his color analyst after being a play-by-play guy. I have to imagine that had to be a tad bit intimidating at first to be working alongside someone, as you said, who was already entrenched in Chapel Hill as just the voice and one of the key figures within that athletic department. Uh, I mean, it probably would have been had I not been dealing with so many other things uh, on the personal side with what I told you about. But Woody was great to me. He and Gene, his wife, reached out and, you know, they 
they knew that my sister and I were affected by that, that plane crash and the family tragedy. And, you know, Woody's outreach meant a lot. And I'd never really been a color analyst before. And so it, think about how unique that is. And I'm really not sure how or why I got hired to do that. I'd not played, I'd not coached, yet I was hired to analyze uh, alongside of Woody college football and college basketball at a major Southeastern university. I instantly knew a couple things. Number one, I, I need to know the playing rules of the game. Nothing worse than a color analyst or a play-by-play guy that doesn't understand the rules, particularly football rules, vastly different than high school rules, federation rules, and pro rules. So I started to educate myself on the rules of the game, football and basketball, try to read the rule book. I went to officiating clinics, try to really understand what these men who officiate the game, what their life is like, and then understand the rule changes, the mechanics, the points of emphasis. Started working on that. So that's one thing I can do. I can't help it that I never played. I wasn't an All-American left guard. I can't help that. But what I can control is, is what, what can I retrofit into my knowledge by asking people who have played and by going to these officiating clinics. Number two, I learned that the color guy gets to watch a much better game <laughs> a much better game the play-by-play seat while people view that on radio as oh here's he's the voice of the Tar Heels or he's the voice of the, the fighting oysters or whatever um, the color guy gets to watch the best the best game because you don't watch the ball I realized early on that watching the ball gets you nothing if you're watching the ball you're doing what 22,000 people in the Smith Center are doing you're doing mm-hmm. what people watching on TV and listening to you are doing. You're doing what the TV you're following, what the TV camera's following, and you see absolutely nothing except the ball. But if you look off the ball, Raymond Felton's dribbling up court. Even if he's being marked hard, I wouldn't. I wouldn't look at that. I'd, I'd watch the other eight players on the court to see who's matching up with who defensively. Is there screening action to free an offensive rebounder? Are they running set plays? If so, what are we looking at? Is it, you know, is it pin and, and post? Is it a V cut, California cut? Is it swing low, screen away? Is it a zone defense? If so, is it an odd, is it an even man uh, front zone or is it maybe an odd, uh, you know, maybe a three, two type of look? Uh, all that stuff. And so that was so much fun to be able to, and it didn't happen on every play, but there would be times that Woody, just because of where the, the chair he sat in, he would not know there'd be a penalty marker on the play and he wouldn't know. So I could come in and say, that's going to be a hold place coming back. It's going to be a hold on J.R. Bolden, you know, defensive holding. Because uh, you see, if you're, if you're not watching the ball, you see it. Mick, I think my favorite moment from you as a color analyst and I think your finest moment, it was oct- it was an October Saturday night at Keenan Stadium. Tar Heels versus NC State. They just stopped T.A. McClendon at about the half-yard line. And as people remember, T.A. McClendon was – he was that dude. He was tough to stop. He was a fantastic running back for the Wolfpack. You asked a very simple question. How are you going to stop T.A. from half a yard? <laughs> And by they did it. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> they did it. I don't know how, but they did. I, I watched that today earlier, and I just always just kind of chuckle because it's like, it's just so simple of a question. Like, it, yeah, how are you going to stop a guy who's been incredible all game, who you have not stopped all night, except for that last play? How are you going to stop T.A. from half a yard? See, I'm a little bit embarrassed that we're even talking about this because that, that to my ear, play back sounds so stupid. It sounds it like so I'm not even really doing a broadcast that I've ter- totally turned fan, and I'm saying maybe maybe interpreted in the best possible way. I'm saying I've said out loud what I think most Tar Heel fans are thinking at that moment, which is why it makes it so perfect, Mick. And that's why I loved you back when you were. I still love you now. That's why I loved you when you're there paired with Woody, and you, and you talk about losing your parents in such a tragic way. And just in moving over to color analyst and it kind of, I guess, in a way, you not being so career focused in that point in time and knowing just on the outside, the kind of guy Woody Durham was, I imagine having him there at that point in your life is something that you probably cherish for a long time. And you're very thankful that you had him there with you and that I can only imagine that the kind of figure Woody Durham, who, of course, we lost a few years ago, no longer with us, um, was in your life. Yeah, I went to see Woody. You know, he had that disease, that cruel disease uh, called aphasia, where his the area of his brain that formed speech became affected. But he could still talk a little, and, of course, he could understand what you were saying. And I went to see him. He and his wife, Jean, had a, a condo townhome over near the Governor's Club in Chapel Hill, Carolina Meadows. And I went over to see him, sat with him for an hour, hour and a half one day. And when I got up to say goodbye. I said, Woody, I owe you and Gene a debt. I'll never be able to square up. You guys, y'all tried to be my friend in, in, in 1989 and 1990. And I noticed and I appreciated it, but I, I'm sorry that I really wasn't in a place where I could totally reciprocate. And Gene started crying a little bit and, and I said to Woody, I said, Woody, I'm proud of you. He said, Mick, I'm proud of you. And, uh, you know, that moment meant a lot. Not that Woody had any reason to be proud of me. I'm just, just a guy and, and just trying to, you know, work, work here for the Carolina Panthers. But that was the kind of thing that, that, that prior to Woody getting sick, you, you, it was hard to – he didn't give many compliments. And he could be – hard he could be focused he could be intense and could be intimidating but um I, I most of us saw through that and saw the 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 joy in him and the love of of the, the job and love of carolina so i can fill a small book with things i learned from woody without him even knowing he was teaching me julian he, he believed in doing the game he believed in calling exciting plays from the other team in an exciting way you can go back and listen to it if you know, Cherokee Parks made a nice play or, or uh, you know, Thomas Hill or somebody like that did something good or the greatly detested Christian Leitner uh, yes. made a good play. He would broadcast that in an excited way. Now, he would save higher levels of excitement for UNC, of course. But sometimes he'd be criticized for sounding too happy when State or, or, Carol, or South Carolina or East Carolina or another Duke or another school made a good play against North Carolina. But he believed the game deserved that. These athletes have earned that coming from the other team. And, and isn't that that's lost on many of today's announcers? And I wish it was not. 
No, and I, I like that. I mean, that's what was special about Woody. I mean, that's I do miss you driving out because I, I typically for me, whenever listening, I, I don't necessarily listen to a lot of games on radio anymore. I'm just not really in the car and just watching on TV, the visuals. And there's sometimes I turn it on because I, I don't love every announcer out there in the world. But one thing I always try to do is listen to the pregame show. And there's just nothing like turn it on it's Ariel Sports Network and, and just listen to that same music that they've had seemingly for decades now. And especially driving to Chapel Hill those days ago, Keenan Stadium, back when you were on the call with Woody and just hearing y'all, y'all's voices was definitely one of the special moments of my childhood going up there with my parents. So I thank you for that because that was just so cool. Stay tuned for more with Mick Mixon, the voice of the Carolina Panthers after this. Guys been telling you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And Built Bar now has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor. And I've told you about these flavors and I tell you about them all the time. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone. They're soft and easy to chew and covered it in 100% chocolate. And one of the cool things about Built Bar is if you don't want to just get one flavor, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. That's 18 bars. That's two of each, which is awesome. So go out there and do that when you go to BuiltBar.com. And here's a cool thing about BuiltBar as well, guys. They're really healthy for you. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And it's been cool to see you here for the past 16 seasons and one final season here coming up this fall with the Carolina Panthers. Was it ever a difficult decision for you to leave Chapel Hill? Because you never planned on coming back. Just circumstances had it to where you were. Did you, was it ever hard for you to come over? and take over for Bill Rosinski and be the voice of the Panthers? Did you ever feel like maybe I should stay in Chapel Hill? Were you just ready to, to kind of be that play-by-play guy again and have this opportunity for an NFL team in Charlotte? That first interview, when the Panthers called me to invite me to come down and talk to them, I, I said, I even said to the Panthers, look, if, if you're just trying to check a box and talk to an in-state guy, let's just save each other's time. I'll be a Panther fan. You guys can listen to my work on the Tar Heel games if you want to, and let's just part company as friends. They said, no, we want you to come down. And, and so I said, okay, uh, I will. So, and I knew I was felt like I was probably a long shot for the job because I didn't have a lot of football play-by-play experience. But when I came down, Julian, uh, and when I met, after that first day-long, there was about five day-long interviews spaced out over six weeks. And I was about ready to run out of suits. So I was glad they finally made a decision. But after the first day that I spent all day in Charlotte talking to department heads and being interviewed, I went home and I thought, if I can get this job offered to me, which I did not know if I could still consider myself a long shot. If I could get this job offered to me, 
then I need to take it. These are exceptional people. Not that there weren't at UNC and in the ACC, but when I met some of these department heads, when I met, oh gosh, you know, Riley Fields and community relations and saw, got to meet Charlie Dayton and shake his hand and some of the ancillary, just some of the people who work there doing things that don't get a lot of, of publicity. I thought, man, this is, this is an incredible group of people. It's an incredible business uh, that Mr. Richardson has started. And, you know, I know Mr. Richardson has a backstory and, and I can only speak from my personal experiences. Mark Richardson, Jerry Richardson, John Richardson, when he was living, they treated me like I was part of their family. And uh, I, I just still in, amazed at and, and perplexed at why they did that and how they did it. But I'm so thankful they did. Yeah. And you've been here now 16 years, 17 season coming up in, I, you know, we, we, we go back to earlier in the interview and you talk about the Keller that day. I'm sure you remember me asking you this question then about whether you ever considered going back to Chapel Hill when Woody decided to retire back in 2011. Jones Angel, he's now the voice of Tar Heels. He's done a fantastic job. I love listening to Jones. How close were you, if ever close at all, to going back home to Chapel Hill and taking over for your dear friend Woody? Not close at all. I was very honored and tickled that UNC uh, ca- called me, that they they rapped on my door and wanted to know would I be interested in talking to them. But I shut it down that night uh, when Carolina called me. I said that, um, uh, that I had unfinished work in Charlotte, that my hourly goal, my daily goal, my weekly goal, my monthly, my yearly goal is to try to pay the Panthers back for the faith and trust they placed in me. And, uh, and that's how I felt. I knew Danny Morrison, who was the GM or the president rather of the Panthers. Then he called me that night. As soon as he knew, heard that Woody was retiring. And he said, do I need to be worried about losing you? And I said, no, sir. Hmm. It's, It's just so interesting. You, you care a lot of guys because <laughs> what Roy Williams said, he, he had unfinished business back in Kansas before he eventually did come back to Carolina. It took Dean Smith calling him, telling him we need you, but he, he would probably stay to Kansas forever if things had worked out with coach Doherty, certainly. And you, I mean, you of course never went back to Carolina and Jones is probably going to be there hopefully for the next, I don't know how old Jones is next 20 years or so, however long he wants to be there. Cause it's certainly, it's his job to have. And you, you decide, you decide to stay back in Charlotte and to thank, and I guess to repay the Carolina Panthers, which I just think is honorable, noble. And man, you've, you've been great for a lot of us here throughout the, in the community. And I've appreciated listening to you throughout the years and make you're a good guy, man. And I, I just, that's, I wanted to talk to you because there's been so many questions I like, I've asked you on this interview that I want to ask you for so many years. Cause I've always admired you from afar, just being a kid who grew up in North Carolina whose parents uh, went to the university, whose dad grew up in Chapel Hill and just growing up in that and as a Carolina fan, getting to hear you guys. And it's kind of like when I really fell in love with sports broadcasting, I can't say it's something I, I always wanted to do, but it's something certainly by the time I got to college, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And uh, have so many great people in the state of North Carolina, like yourself, who represent our institutions and our organizations and franchises. It's been really cool. And it's been such an honor for me to sit down and talk to you this evening and I hope that everyone listening out there, Panthers fans, just people who are fans of you, that they got to really get some insight on who the man Nick Mixon is and 
I don't, I can't speak for anybody other than myself, but it's going to, it's going to be sad to see you go. I'm excited for whatever is ahead for you in the rest of your life. I hope you, you got plenty of years left to go. Um, you're going to be out there, I guess, one on the fields in Alamance County, back where my, my alma mater, Elon, is listening to whoever takes over for you. I guess I'll just ask just one last thing. I, I, I don't, I don't want to know who you want to be the guy because that's, I'm sure that you don't want to put any pressure on anybody. But what advice? would you have for the next person who takes over your seat there as the voice of the Carolina Panthers? Oh gosh. I'll, I would say number one, it's not about you. Don't think for one second that people are going to be tuning in to hear you talk. Uh, they're going to he- tune in to hear the game. So uh, if I hear that you've referred to yourself unnecessarily, if I hear that you've created some hokey signature call to try to get an, get on ESPN and get a highlight played, if I hear that you keep a record of how many games you've won and broadcast that you've won or lost, like you had something to do with it, I will get off my tractor and come to Charlotte and inflict bodily harm upon you. I would tell this person to say, yeah, try to say yes to every single thing and don't ask to be paid. You're already being paid to be the voice of the Carolina Panthers. What that means is if you need to go, if you get the opportunity to go to a school and do Read Across America or a Career Day or a Rotary Club, an Optimist Club, a Kiwanis Club, if you can MC a banquet, if you can be a keynote speaker somewhere at a remote high school, drive, get in the car, drive the miles, put, put your uh, suit and tie on or a dress if it's a, a nice outfit, if it's a female who's the next voice of the Carolina Panthers and, and, and say yes enthusiastically to every request because long after – People forget uh, how did your 10-5 touchdown call sound or how did it sound when you broadcast this game or that. They'll remember uh, whether you were – whether they'll remember the fabric of you. They'll remember whether you were a decent chap or not. They'll remember whether you tried to remember their name and cared about them. And if you go to the Rotary Club in Albemarle in 2022, I'd advise my predecessor, my, ne- my successor to keep a notebook and to write down who you met and write down what you talked about so that when you go back in 2024, you can say, hey, Matt, how's, how's that Ford F-150 running? Do you, do you still have it? How many miles you got on it? And you can say, uh, hey, Claire, how, did your son get into Appalachian State? I know he was really hoping to. And, and, and that way, when people tune in, they feel like they know you. And lastly, I would advise my successor uh, to be very, very careful what they put on social media. I guard my privacy. And when people hear the Carolina Panthers, I want them, if they hear my voice, Julian, I want them thinking in anything, they think there's a Panther guy. I think he played drums in some bands. Seems like a good guy. Taught some classes at UNC Wake Forest, according to what my friend told me. I don't want them thinking, Here's how he voted in the last election. Here's what he thinks about House Bill 2. Here's what he thinks about this. Or There'll be time for, if you really want to slug it out online with people that you don't know, then have at it, but not while you're the voice of the Carolina Panthers because you're representing something that's much bigger than that and bigger than yourself. Yeah, well said, Mick, well said. Look, we have a great state here, the state of North Carolina, because we got so many great people like yourself, especially in sports media, and it seems like so many of you guys are just going away just to retire and to just go off and do whatever you want. It's just kind of annoying. I'm, but I'm happy for you. I'm going to miss you. I mean, you're not going anywhere, really. I mean, you're still going to be alive in here. I'm sure you'll be around. But I hope I can see you here sometime during the season and maybe during the summer 
just so I could shake your hand and thank you for the job that you've done and for making our Sundays and my Saturdays and, a, and I guess a, and even every day of the week too, back on basketball evenings, um, a little bit better by just getting to listen to your voice and the voice of Woody Durham and Eugene Robinson and Jim Zoki and all the folks that I've worked with you, Sharon Thorslin, uh, I guess you know, Caroline Kane working for there for a season, all the folks, Kristen Balboni, all the people that have worked with you over the years, the Carolina Panthers and back on the Tar Heel Sports Network. So I appreciate you giving me the time here. Again, it was an honor to speak with you and just kind of to learn even more and understand who the man, Forrest Orion Mixon third, also known as Mick Mixon, is. The honor of this visit has been strictly mine, Julian, and let's let's make sure we all understand that. And I'm a little bit of a hugger, so when I, next time I see you, you know, don't be shocked if I tell you to bring it on in and we'll hug it out. And uh, handshake works too. And I appreciate your interest, and thanks for your thoughtful questions. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Mick. I can't tell you how much it meant to me for Mick to sit down and have a conversation with me. He's a guy that I've really looked up to and really admired for for years. And I think he does a fantastic job as a Panthers play-by-play. He might not be uh, braggadocious and loud and have all these crazy whoop-de-doo and all that kind of nonsense that some announcers might do. He just calls the game. And that's what I respect about him. Just go out there, call the game. You don't have to make it about you. People aren't there to necessarily be there for you. They're there to listen to the game and know what's going on on the field. And for 16 seasons and now 17 seasons coming up here, Mick Mixon has been doing that for the Carolina Panthers and for their fan base. And I think a lot of people out there should appreciate what he's done and should thank him as this will be his final season here with the Carolina Panthers. I certainly have a lot of respect and admiration for what he's done, and I'll be sad to see him go. But I am excited to see who might be taking over the mantle as the Carolina Panthers play-by-play man on the radio in the years to come. Again, guys, make sure to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Julian Council. Follow me at Julian Council, rather, um, where every Friday throughout the offseason, except for this Friday, we'll be doing our weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. Go ahead and start getting in those questions for me right now. I'm going to be up in the lake in Michigan, so enjoying the 4th of July. I hope you guys enjoy the 4th of July as well. Be safe. Don't do anything crazy. And, of course, you know, go Panthers. So talk to you later. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.